Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. If this is your first time, I'm going to give you the official what up and welcome to the Vineyard. If you've been here a lot, thanks for coming back. That's really good. You're doing great. Um, I was telling the band just a moment ago, I can't believe there's this many people here today. It's a holiday. Why aren't you guys like on at the lake or something? What's happening? No one comes to church on Labor Day weekend. This is really, this is really nice. This is, this is almost like a normal Sunday. What the heck? Hey, if you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, you can. We're going to continue and finish our series that we've been doing for the last month called Born, where we've been looking only at John chapter 3 and talking about being born from above or born again, as Jesus says. But I want to start here. If you're with me, I'd like to start here. Uh, who in the room likes change? Who likes change? Anybody like change? Anybody willing to put their hand up? I like change. There's, okay, Two. There's two. So there's like, there's like 230 some people in this room right now and two of them like it. If my math is correct, it's like less than 1%. Most of us don't like change. Most people don't like change. Uh, what's really wild is that sometimes people even resist good change. Did you know that? Uh, how many of you have had this experience? Uh, maybe you, you had a toxic work environment. Like maybe you had bad leadership Maybe you had bad leadership for a really long time, and then finally someone changed out the bosses or the leadership, and then you get good leaders in, like actually good leaders. And how many of you have ever had this experience? When you go from toxic leadership to good leadership, it's still hard. Why? Because, because for the last however many years, you just got all of your internal muscle memory used to working with crazy toxic people. And so all of your internal wiring is like, oh, we just have to go into like alcoholic dad syndrome at work. Like, don't make the bosses upset. And so you have all this internal wiring and then all of a sudden you get a good leader and you're like freaked out, even though it was a good change. How many of you have ever experienced that? You know what I'm talking about? It's a real thing. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard to even do something that's good. Uh, here's another kind of change that's hard. How many of you have ever had the change where you were trying to go from good to better? I'm not talking about from toxic to decent, but from good to better. How many of you have ever been in like a team environment where you're like, hey guys, we're doing this, these things and they're pretty good, but we actually want to go better. We want to like make a marginal move here. And so in order to go from good to better, hey, everybody's gonna have to take more accountability and more responsibility. And we're gonna have to change some things that have been quote unquote working for us so that we can make an, anybody ever had, had to do that? And then what happens on every team when you're trying to go from good to better? Can I tell you? Someone on the team sabotages it. This is actually, this is actually not me being funny. This is true. This is actually true. If you study family systems, what you'll find out is, is that anytime there's any kind of change happening, somebody in the family system will move towards sabotage because their anxiety is up. And when you're trying to move from good to better, 
the anxiety really goes up in someone in the group and they might not even be thinking, I'm gonna kill this, but someone begins to act in ways that sabotage. Why? Because we're resistant to change. We just want homeostasis. We just want it to be like normal, right? I was thinking this week about change and I was thinking about how it's oftentimes really hard. I was also thinking about a lot of my interactions through the years with people who were struggling with addiction. You know, uh, people who have addiction, most of the time, those people know they have an addiction. And even when you know you have an addiction, it's still what? Hard to change. Still really hard to change. Uh, Most people who are struggling actually know it. But even then, it's still hard to change. Uh, For the last three weeks, we've been in this series called Born. And we've been exploring Jesus' words to Nicodemus, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey man, uh, you got to be born from above. Uh, You got to be born again. And when Jesus says these words to Nicodemus, what we've discovered over the last few weeks is this means a few things. Uh, Number one, uh, you need a fresh start. That's what every birth is. Every birth is a brand new start. And so the good news for everybody in the room this morning, uh, no matter where you're at or what's happening in your life, uh, if you need a brand new start, you can have one. Uh, Jesus says this to everyone. Uh, you got to be born again. Uh, you, need a, you need a new start. Uh, not only that, but if you're being born from above, uh, Jesus phrases it like that. That word born again, it could also be translated as born from above. Uh, that understanding in that word above, it's like location. Do you hear the word location in that? You know, uh, be born from another place. You need a fresh start, but you got to be born from another place. And when Jesus is talking about being born from another place, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And how many of you know that every place has a culture, right? So it's not just a fresh start, but you need a birth into a brand new culture. You need a birth into a brand new identity. And when Jesus talks about being born again, he's talking about a fresh start, but he's also talking about a brand new culture, and he's talking about a brand new identity. Our core principal identities are not to be found in uh, where we were born, who our parents are, what our jobs are, how old we are, what generation we are. But in God's kingdom, our core identity is uh, that we belong to him and that we are children of the Father and that we're citizens of the kingdom. And this is what Jesus is offering to Nicodemus. And the third thing we've been learning over the last few weeks is that this radical change, it's for everyone. A lot of times when we read the gospels, we just assume that Jesus is reaching out to the poor and needy, which he is. And not only that, but he's often mostly reaching out to the poor and needy. But what we see in Jesus's interaction with Nicodemus is that he's reaching out, not just to the down and out, but to the up and out. Because Nicodemus is rich, he's well-respected, he's educated, he's social elite. And Jesus says to even Nicodemus, you got to be born again. And what we know from those words is this, that this is not just for a select few who are struggling. This is for everyone. So here this morning, uh, what I want to say again for the third week in a row, uh, maybe you're down and out and you need a fresh start. Good news. You can have one. Uh, But maybe you're up and out. Uh, Maybe you're well-respected in Campbellsville. Maybe people in central Kentucky are like, oh, look at that rich person. Uh, They're doing really good. Or look at that person. Uh, That's like a decent family. And here's what I'd like you to know. Jesus's words apply to you as well. Uh, You need a fresh start. Uh, You need baptized into his kingdom. You need welcomed into the arms of the Father. This is for everyone. 
And the last thing I want to review is just a few things that Emily shared with us last week. Some things that you can tell in Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus. You can tell when we've been reading these words for the last few weeks that they're not on the same page. Jesus is saying, hey, you got to get born again. And Nicodemus is like, how can this happen? I'm an old guy. Am I going to go back in? Like, what's happening? And what you see, what you see in this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus is you can hear the fact that they're using the same language. But how many of you know, sometimes the words you speak are not the words that another person hears, right? And so part of what Emily was underlining for us last week is that Jesus is in many ways speaking another language and it's underlying this idea again that language is always connected to culture. And so even though Nicodemus and Jesus are both Jewish guys born in the same time period, even though socially and geographically they come from the same place and they should be speaking the same language, clearly Jesus is speaking a different language than Nicodemus And this underlines the fact that Jesus is speaking about a different culture, which is God's kingdom, and we need fresh ears and fresh eyes to see it. So, what are we going to do this week? We're going to look at maybe the most famous passage in the whole Bible. Seth, why don't we put it up? Like, even even pagans know this passage, right? As as, uh, James would say later in the New Testament, even the demons in hell know this passage. You know, they know this one. Uh, we're going to look at John three sixteen through 21 to wrap up our series. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Man, you might want to just underline John three seventeen. That's a heck of a verse, isn't it? That's an amazing verse. Like Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. For this is the verdict. Life has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We'll stop right there. And Seth, maybe we'll put up our little outline for everyone this morning. Talk about three things this morning. Number one, disorientation. Number two, love. Number three, fear. Disorientation, love, and fear. First, I want to talk to you about disorientation. Uh, how many of you have ever been in the room when a baby was born? I've asked you that a couple times in this series. Anybody been in the room when a baby was born? Heck of a moment. If you haven't, get ready. And it doesn't matter how many of those videos you watch at the birthing center or whatever, or the classes you take. What are those called, Heather? I don't know, whatever those things we did. Like whatever, whatever class you take, this is not going to prepare you for the moment, okay? But when a baby comes into the world, if you've been in the room when they pop out of their mom's little bellies, one of the things you'll notice is most of the times the babies are crying. And in fact, it's a good sign. And if I remember right, Allison, 
they get, an, they get a score. It's, it's an Apgar score. Is that right? Right. Yes, guys. I'm not just a preacher. <laughs> I'm not just a preacher. <clears throat> but when a baby's born, they're oftentimes crying. And this is actually like a really good sign. It's like it'll, it'll get that Apgar score up because we want to hear those little lungs going and everything. But how many of you have ever thought like, why is the baby crying? Why is the baby crying? It actually kind of makes sense, right? Because a few moments ago, a few moments ago, that little baby was in a warm, dark, much more quiet environment where it hears its mama's heartbeat and the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh of the amniotic fluid. Have you ever listened to that? That'll set your hair on fire the first time you hear it too, you know? And then all of a sudden the baby's born and the light is what? So bright, and the eyes have never seen it before, ever. And all of a sudden, its little skin isn't being held in its mom's womb anymore. In fact, it's, it's out in the open, and it's cold. And it doesn't matter how, how warm that room is, to the little baby, it's cold. And can you imagine those little tiny ears? They've never heard anything other than a mom's heartbeat. And now they're in a room where people, like, dad's like, ah! And mom's like, ah! And the doctors are like, and then there's, like, Think medical devices. And people are like, and then there's people are like taking those blankets. And, and then if you're a baby, if you're a baby, you're like freaked out, aren't you? I just want you to hold all this in your mind for a moment. You're like, what is this sermon about? Oh, it's going to get much weirder before we're done, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And if you're a baby, you're like, what is going on? But everybody in the room knows like, it's good. The baby's out. Yes, this is good. We waited nine months for this. And the baby's like, this is crazy. What happened to my life? I had this great life in there. I've been evicted. But it's actually healthy. It's actually healthy. Like sometimes what happens, sometimes what happens when you move into health, sometimes what happens when you move towards God and God's kingdom it isn't initially comfort. Sometimes what happens is disorientation. That's what happens sometimes at first. It's loud outside. The light's really, really bright. I want you to hold those thoughts in your mind for a moment. And I want you to remember the text. I want you to notice that Jesus says that God sends, a, God sends the Son into the world so that people can have eternal life. When when you read that, you go, well, that's a, that's a decent thing. I'll take that. And then you read John three seventeen, and it says that God sends the Son not to condemn the world, but to save it. And you're like, well, that's, that's above average. Pretty okay. And then, and then you notice that Jesus seems to switch gears. And then he's all of a sudden, he's talking about light and darkness, right? He starts, he starts talking about light and darkness, and he seems to be connecting all of these things, his coming and the light, and darkness motif. And at this point, you'd have to ask, well, well, who wouldn't want eternal life? You know, like who wouldn't want that? And who wouldn't want saving rather than condemnation? You know, like if, if, if you're making the choice, well, eternal life or not, or, or you could be saved or you could be condemned, you'd go, well, I'd rather have eternal life and I'd rather be saved, right? Who, who wouldn't want that instead of judgment? It's pretty plain. And yet, Jesus says some people avoid it. That's what's wild about this passage. 
Like he makes it so plain. Like God's come to save the world. You, you can have eternal life. And by the way, when Jesus uses that phrase eternal life, he's not just talking about unlimited days. He's, it's, eternal life is not just quantity. It's also quality. We know this from John chapter 17, where Jesus says eternal life is to know God's son. It's not just unending days. It's like, what kind of days do you have? Right? And who wouldn't want eternal life? Yet Jesus says here in John chapter three, sometimes people avoid it. And you have to ask yourself, why? Well, here's why. Because the light is disorienting. Think about that baby again. It's born into the world. And the good light is sometimes initially disorienting, maybe even painful. Uh, how many of you have ever gotten in your car and driven out of Kentucky and you don't even take one bathroom break and you don't stop until you get to Florida and then you walk out onto Pensacola Beach with all that white sand and you can't even see your hands in front of your face? Anybody ever had that experience? You're like, right, we're here. And you're like, where are my sunglasses? It's so bright. Have you ever been to the beach in Florida and it'd be so bright, you have no sunglasses, you're like, I can't even see anything. And it takes how long for your eyes to like settle down and start seeing the ocean? It, it, honestly, it, sometimes it'll take me like an hour before I can like stop squinting or, or doing this thing, right? It's just so disorienting. It takes, it takes a little while for our eyes to get used to it. And, and the baby in the room that's born brand new, he's feeling all that cold air on his body and the bright light and the volume that they never knew. And it's just wild. And some folks, some folks avoid it. Some folks avoid the light because the dark is more comfortable. The disorientation is too much. And so, some folks put their trust in Jesus. And, and sometimes when people put their trust in Jesus, like that grace feels so good. Like that, that forgiveness, it feels it feels so good. It feels good to be fresh and clean. It feels good to have a brand new start. But then the next thing that happens is, is that you end up in brighter light than you first realized and all of a sudden it's disorienting. Like, so some people avoid it because it's like, man, the dark is more comfortable. And then some people come into the light only to find that it's really, really disorienting. So what do you do? What do you do? Here's what you do. You just hang on. That's what you do. You just hang on. You just you chill out, you hang on for a minute, and everything will begin to settle. Your eyes will catch up to the light that Jesus is bringing. But I want to go back to why. why. Why do people avoid the light? Why do people avoid the salvation that Jesus has to bring? Well, Jesus gives two reasons. Uh, number one, the things that people love. And then number two, a specific kind of fear. Uh, Jesus says that people avoid the light, number one, uh, because they love the darkness. And, and I just want to internalize that for us here for a moment uh, in this room. Sometimes when we read a passage like, like this, this one in John chapter 3, and Jesus starts talking about like a light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness, we think, oh, it must be those people out there somewhere. Those people, you know, those people out there somewhere, they love the darkness. But here's what I want to tell this room of people. We love the darkness. Uh, I want to make it even more personal. I love the darkness. Have you ever experienced that? Have you, have you had that awakening in your own life? It's not just that people love darkness. It's that we love darkness. And it's not just we, but it's, it's me. And maybe not all darkness and maybe not all the time. But how many of you have gotten aware of yourself enough to know that everybody has a particular kind of darkness that oftentimes we hold very close to us? 
There are things we enjoy. Jesus says here in John chapter three, it's not just that people tolerate the darkness, it's that they love the darkness. There are things, there are things in our lives that, that, that are not in the light and it's not that we tolerate them, it's that we enjoy them. We love them. Things that, that we really, really get some sort of pleasure out of and we don't want it exposed to the light. You have your list and I've got mine. One of the things I know about American culture is this, we're an addicted culture. You know, and some of the things that go onto the addicted list are the things you'd expect on the addicted list. But then there's these other things that we don't talk about a lot of times that go on the addicted list and it's the same. And you've got your list and I've got mine and we, and we just don't want it exposed to the light. And Jesus says, we actually love those things. And as much as we've tried to say in this culture that everybody can do what they want so long as no one gets hurt and so long as, so long as there's consent, uh, one of the things if we dig a little deeper is we know that's not true. Like even if we love it, we just know that it isn't true. Try that out for a while. I want to bend the world to keep the light out. I want to bend the world to make room for my personal sin projects. But what Jesus says in John chapter three, he says very plainly, salvation is the light. You have to come into the light. That's what you have to do. So why do people, why do people not come into the light? Well, because they have things they love. They love the darkness and they have, to, they have some, things, some things that they love that, that, how many of you have ever heard this phrase? Sunlight is the best disinfectant. It's actually true. Did you know that? Yeah, um, if, you, if, if you end up having kids who play soccer, one of the things that will happen is <clears throat> they will have soccer cleats that will destroy your car and home. There are, there are smells that can come out of two soccer cleats like the dog will leave your house. He'll be like, I'm not staying in this house as long as those are there. And you can throw them in the washing machine and guess what? It doesn't help. Somehow it makes it worse. But here's the, here's the weird thing. If you take those soccer cleats and you just set them out on the back table on your patio in 85 degree heat in the sunshine, it will kill whatever is in there. Have you ever known? It's the weirdest thing. Sun, I mean, you can just... Just set it outside. It'll, it'll clear up. Jesus is like, man, salvation is the light. You got to come into light. Some of us here are like, man, there's some stuff in my life I would like to not have it grow anymore. It's like a, it's like a fungal infection. You know? Some of us have watched The Last of Us. You have cordyceps. <laughs> I don't know. But you have to come into the light. Jesus says the second reason that people don't come into light is, is just straight up fear. Jesus says that people fear exposure. In addition to our personal taste for sin, the things we love, we also have a, we also have a desire to appear good. And it's not just we, but it's me. I, I want to appear good. So here's what's weird. I want you to think I'm a good person. And at the same time, I want to hang on to some things that I really enjoy and I want to keep them in the light. And I don't want you to know about it. And I don't want to step into the light because I know if I do, now you're going to know who I really am and you're going to know the truth of who I am. And not only that, but God's going to know. Here's the truth. He already knows. It's like, 
But we play these games, don't we? And I just, I want everybody in the room to know I'm a good person. I want you to think good things about me. And at the same time, I want to hold this little thing right under here. And I want to keep it in the dark. And I want to keep it a pet project because it really makes me happy in some very strange way. And Jesus says, people don't come into the light because there's things we love. But then there's also like, we're just afraid. We're just afraid. We want to keep our reputation. We want to keep our honor. Uh, we want to be known as righteous. I don't want to step into the light because the world will see me as I really am. That's, that's what Jesus says in John chapter 3. But here's one of the things I've noticed. Uh, if you want to know how you can know that the Spirit of the Lord is at work in your life, uh, this, is, this is it. More than any other thing, here's how you know that the Spirit of the Lord is at work in your life. You start loving Jesus more than sin. And you stop being afraid of what other people think and you step into the light. That's, that's like literally, that's 100% of it. Like, like, how do you know that somebody's really being changed by God? You start to love Jesus. Not the idea of Jesus, but the person of Jesus more than my personal pet dark sin. And, and you, you start stepping into the light and you're like, I really don't care what people think. I'm just going to step into the light. I'm going to step straight forward. Even if people know uh, eight things about me that they didn't know about before, I'm going to step straight into the light. Now, let me talk to all of us here in the room for a moment. Two different kinds of people in the room this morning. Uh, some of us in the room are Christians, and we have been Christians for a minute. And, and so at some level, we've come into the light. Yay, high five. Uh, but maybe we've stood in the edge of the light, you know? Or maybe we were in the light at one point in our, in our life, but we've sort of like backed away to the edge, you know? And then there's others of us in the room and we've never stepped into the light. Like you're here today, you don't even know why you're here. This is like your first time coming to the vineyard, like your grandma drug you here or your husband or wife was like, hey, will you just come to church with me today? And you're like, okay, whatever. I'll go with you. I was gonna read the New York Times and have some coffee, but I'm coming with you. What the heck? And you're here and you've never really stepped into the light and, and, and maybe, maybe, Maybe here's what I would like to say to everybody in the room this morning. So for those of us who have lived in the light, but maybe have backed off to the edge, and to those of us who have never stepped fully into the light, uh, the good news, and it's in this passage this morning, is that you can take Jesus at his word. Isn't it interesting that this passage begins with, for God so loved the world, that everybody who believes in him wouldn't, wouldn't perish, but they could have eternal life, and that God didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. That's where it starts, right? And then instantly Jesus starts saying, hey, light broke into the world, but, but people love the darkness, you know? And then all of a sudden we're feeling like, oh, exposed. And Jesus is saying, you know, people love the darkness and they're afraid. They're afraid of being exposed for who they really are. But here's what I want to say to everybody who's either on the edge of the light or has never walked in. You can take Jesus at his word and you can take the scriptures to be true and the word this morning that is in plain sight is this. Number one, uh, Jesus came to save the world, not to judge it. And if you do one very simple thing, that can be yours, which is just simply believe on him. That's it. I mean, it's what Emily told us last week. She read that crazy story about how Jesus says the son of man would be lifted up just like Moses lifted up the pole in the desert, right? It's like, well, what does it take to be Saved? All you have to do is put your eyes on Jesus. All you have to do is put your belief, your trust, your faith into Jesus. That is it. But everybody in the room, no matter where you stand in relation to the darkness and the light, 
Everyone in the room can trust Jesus that he didn't come to condemn the world, but he's come to save it. And he's talking to people who are standing in the darkness. So we have all of our fear about being exposed, all the things we think we love, all the things we think we need. And Jesus is saying to us, you can let go of the fear and you can let go of the things you think you love because there's greater love waiting for you. And I haven't come to judge you. I've come to save you. You can take Jesus at his word. The light is Jesus. The light is Jesus. Kind Jesus. Kind Jesus who lays down his life for sinners. That's what the light is. The judgment that breaks into the world is the son of God who lays down his life. That's what judges the world. The son of God who lays down his life. Some of us are like very afraid of God. We're like, oh my gosh, if God knows or if God sees, well, he already does know and he already does see and he is already welcoming you in his son who has laid down his life for you. This is the good news. There's nothing left to fear. The world stands forgiven. Now the question is, will you walk into the light and accept the forgiveness? That is it. The world stands forgiven. No one, no one alive is being judged by God. Everyone alive is being accepted by God. And the question now is, will I walk toward him? So however fearful stepping into the light is, the good news this morning is that the light is Jesus. You know, the light is not some, some strong guy who's trying to like get recompense from everybody, you know? I'm going to settle these accounts. Uh, the light is the guy who settled the accounts in his own blood. The light is the guy who laid down his life for the world. So today, what can we do in this room? Today, uh, I just want to invite everybody in the church to come into the light. Maybe, maybe you've never come into the light at all. Uh, I would invite you to to step into the light. Maybe you've never done that. You don't even know why you're here. Uh, well, uh, maybe you're here to step into the light for the first time. Uh, or, or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a few months or even many decades. And for whatever reason, there's a part of your life that has been held outside of the light. You've stood on the edge of illumination with a piece of your life. And I would like to invite you to take a step forward because this, the step you're taking is towards mercy. You're always stepping towards mercy. So here's what I would love this morning. If you're in the band, why don't you come back up? And if you're in the congregation, why don't you stand up? We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Spirit to move among us. And then we're going to sing one more time. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.